The following podcast is from Arlington Countryside Church. If you want to learn more about us, please visit us on the web at acchurch.org. Good morning, everyone. Oh, wow, you guys are awake today. This is great. Uh, well, my name is Mike Stralo, and it's a great privilege to uh, be a guest teacher here today. Uh, it's always, uh, I always really appreciate the opportunity to be able to come and, and talk to you guys a little bit. And uh, I have a, a weird question for you to start off with. Do you find it awkward to go to the eye doctor? And what I mean by that, like, you know how they show you the letters and they ask you one or two, one or two? I am convinced that half the time it's the same exact letter, right? Because I cannot tell the difference. I I mean, over and over again, I'm just squirming in my seat and I'm afraid that I'm contradicting what I said before. And it probably just shows what an awkward person I am. Uh, But it's like this experience for me. I kind of dread going to the eye doctor and I kind of prepare myself a little bit for it. And so about a month ago, I was going to an eye doctor and it was a new eye doctor. Uh, And so we're sitting there and we're kind of making the casual small talk you do. And he's asking about uh, what I do and where I went to college. And I told him I went to Wheaton College. And he goes, oh, uh, that's, a, that's a religious school, right? I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, what denomination is it? It's like, oh, well, it's actually non-denominational, but it's kind of your classic evangelical school. He's like, oh, okay. So he's like, I went to a Jesuit school, which is like a Catholic school. And he goes, so you guys believe that just everyone is saved, right? And I was like, well, well, no, not, not quite. No, we're not, we're not universalists. Like, no, you know, you're, you're, but you're saved, you know, by grace, through faith. And, and yeah, like I, you know, can be assured of my salvation even now. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, that's not the case for me. I was like, oh, really? And he's like, oh, no, like I, I have no idea. He's like, I have to wake up every day uh, putting forth effort, trying to do what I can to, to just uh, give me some assurance of my salvation. I I. I don't know. I won't know until I, until I die. Uh, and I'll be honest, I was flabbergasted uh, because I was prepared for the one or two. I wasn't prepared for this kind of theology quiz, in a sense. But it brings us up to what we're talking about today, this matter of faith alone, right? And, and what is the relationship between faith and good works? And, and this was one of the big debates during the Reformation, and as you know, we're, we are doing a sermon series on uh, the Reformation, the five solas today. Today is sola fide, faith alone. And, and this uh, was probably one of the key distinctions between Protestants and Catholics. Uh, and so we're going to bounce around throughout Scripture today, and there's probably no one big text that we're looking at. Uh, but there is one text I want us to start off reading uh, just to kind of keep in the back of our mind as we kind of talk about what it means to be saved by faith alone. So the text is uh, in Romans chapter 3, uh, verses 21 to 24. And it says this, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. 
And so what we see here, uh, we have a passage that sums up some of the the key points of the gospel message, right? That we uh, as humans fall short of the standard God has set, uh, that we cannot earn our salvation, but rather it is because of what Jesus has done uh, and that it's placing our faith in him that we receive salvation and that this has been... uh, planned out long, long ago, that this starts way back with the prophets and the writings of Moses. Uh, And so we're going to dive into this, but first I think we need to uh, pause and reorient ourselves uh, to think about what does it mean when we talk about the gospel? Uh, Because I think often uh, we, we individualize the gospel too much, that we make it a story about how I am forgiven, how I go to heaven when I die. And we kind of leave it right there. But actually, the gospel story is so much bigger than that. Right? And this brings us to the first point uh, in your, your fill in the blanks, that the gospel story is not centered around you. You are not the main character in the gospel story. You are not the hero in the gospel story. The gospel story doesn't revolve around you and your sins and your forgiveness. Rather, it revolves around God. The gospel story is far grander than what we could imagine. The gospel story is this great cosmic story about God's rescue plan for all of humanity, for all of creation. It is a story that starts all the way back with creation. And it goes through uh, the stories of God uh, making covenants with Abraham and Moses and the Israelites. And it reaches its climax in Jesus, the Son of God, coming to earth, taking on human flesh, dying, being resurrected from the dead, and being made king of heaven and earth. And it ends someday when Jesus comes back, not to take us all away to float around in heaven, but rather it ends when we're told heaven will meet earth, that Jesus will come back to earth and he will make a new heaven and a new earth and all things will be made new. All things will be redeemed and restored. That's the gospel story. And now you're probably asking, hold up, Mike. What does this have to do with anything? You've lost me. Why, why are you painting such a big picture here? I'm just trying to figure out how I'm saved, what I need to do to, to, to receive salvation. But it's, it's my belief, right, that, that our view of the gospel greatly impacts our understanding of how we live today. Uh, and that it's only with this understanding of the gospel that we see why Our actions matter here and now, even though we can't earn our salvation. But I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. So we're going to pause. We're going to pick that up at the end. And instead, we're going to look at faith itself, right? Because we know we are saved by faith. Absolutely. I want to affirm that 100%. And and so I think it's important then to look at what this faith is. And to do that, we're actually going to start off by, by looking at what this faith is not. All right. So I have three things. The first one is this. Faith is not only an intellectual belief, right? Faith is not just having this kind of intellectual acceptance of a theory that Jesus is God and something that you just kind of think about in your head and it stays there, right? That in James uh, chapter 2, verse 19, it says that uh, you say you have faith for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror, Right? And so this idea, this kind of intellectual theory about Jesus is, is not what faith is. We're told even the demons recognize who Jesus is. Faith is more than that. Faith is supposed to impact more than just the thoughts in our head. Here's the next thing. 
Faith is not a cultural tradition. The other night, I was watching one of the, the late night comedy hosts, and Bill Murray happened to be on. And, uh, and they were talking, and it was, a, it was a good interview. But at one point, uh, Colbert was the, the interviewer, and he said, Bill, I didn't know this. I just found out recently, you have a, one of your sisters is a nun. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, we're a big Catholic family, sister's a nun. And Colbert goes, well, what's that like? Uh, Bill Murray goes, well, it's kind of nice. It frees me up to live a life of sin. And obviously he was joking, right? I don't want to say that this is Bill Murray's theology. It's a joke, right? And it was a funny one. Uh, And yet, I actually think that's a thought that kind of pervades our thinking about what faith is. That faith is this family tradition. And we see this not just in Christianity, but we see this in a lot of different religions, right? That you uh, have faith because your parents had faith, because your grandparents have faith, that you go to church or to a religious service because that's just what your family does. That's part of your culture. It's, it's a tradition you follow. But that's not what faith is at all. And the problem is I, I fear that there are people all over the country, all over the world, who if you ask them if they believe in God, they say, oh yeah, sure, I believe in God. But it's not something they, they truly believe. It's not something, they don't actually have a relationship with God. It's just kind of this intellectual belief. It's like this family tradition that they think they're a part of. And it reminds me of probably one of the scariest passages in all of Scripture, where Jesus says, there will be some who come to me and say, Lord, Lord, at the, at the end of the days, and say, Lord, Lord, you know, I knew you. And, and Jesus will say, no, depart from me. I never knew you. And that's a scary thought. And, and so I, and I think it shows us that faith is more than just tradition. It's more than a family thing. It's more than a cultural thing. And here's the other thing that faith isn't. Faith is not a positive mindset. Has anyone ever told you during a t- tough time, like, oh, you just, you just got to have faith. Everything will be okay. Right? Oh, just have more faith and it'll make everything better. That's, that's not how faith works. Right? Faith is not thinking everything in life will be rainbows and sunshine. Right? Faith is not just uh, believing really hard in something you really want to happen and expecting that to happen. Uh, faith is, is not a positive mindset. Faith isn't just being optimistic. Right? Dave and I were just having this conversation uh, this morning that last night he predicted very confidently the Cubs were going to steamroll the Dodgers. And any of you who watched the game last night know that didn't happen. So we know two things. One, Dave does not have the gift of prophecy. <laughs> and two, we know that faith is not just wanting something really badly and hoping it happens. It is so much more. All right. So then, what is faith? Three things. Faith is belief. Now you're probably thinking, hold up, you just told me faith isn't only belief. Well, it's not just belief, but obviously belief plays a role, right? It's this belief and trust in God that you believe that Jesus is who he says that he is. It's something that you have accepted, that you are fully on board with, right? Belief plays a role because we can't have, we don't know 100% sure without any doubt that Jesus is who he says he is. That's where faith comes in. That's where this belief comes in, though, that we are confident that he is who he says he is, and we can believe in that. The next thing, faith is proclamation. 
uh, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, uh, we're told that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it's that openly declare, right? And this begins to move faith from just not only being this belief inside our head, but rather it's a proclamation that we make over our lives. It's a proclamation we freely admit to the people around us uh, and that we have no reservations and we are willing to confess that, yes, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe that Jesus came and was resurrected from the dead and died for not only my sins, but died for all of creation so that creation might be redeemed and restored. Yes, I proclaim this over my life. I don't back away from this. I don't shy away from this. This is something I am passionate about. It's this proclamation. And then finally, faith is allegiance. And this is probably the odd one, right? Maybe this is something you haven't quite heard uh, faith explained in this way before. And in fact, for me, it's really just in the last week that I heard uh, faith explained in this way. There's a, a theologian named Matthew Bates who recently wrote a book uh, called Saved by Allegiance Alone. And in this book, he argues uh, that another way to potentially look at faith uh, is to substitute the word allegiance. And it's an interesting way to think about it. And, and I'm not completely sold, but I think uh, he brings up some really good points. And I think it's a really helpful way to think about faith. Because first of all, he points out all of the political language in the Gospels. And probably uh, many of you who've been to church for a long time have heard this before, uh, but the gospel is full of political words, words that the Romans were using in that time and place in that culture, right? The gospel, gospel itself was a common word that emperors often used to declare great military victories, or even emperors were at that time claiming their own divinity. And so they were writing their own gospels about uh, them being the savior of Rome, uh, more or less. And not only that, but you, as you look through the gospel, you see kingdom use, righteousness, it's declaration, and over and over again, many, many uh, words and phrases that the gospel writers used were already in the common vernacular of that day and place. Even the confession that Jesus is Lord, uh, another very common saying during that time was Caesar is Lord, right? And so, uh, so he claimed, he, he gets us, Matthew Bates, tries to encourage us to see that. And then he also reminds us that, uh, that Christ, uh, that Jesus Christ, that Christ is a title, right? That Christ is not Jesus's last name, just in case there was any, any confusion there. Uh, but rather the Christ, the Messiah, was a figure predicted from long ago as someone who would come and bring about redemption of the world, who would rule the world and heaven, and that this is who Jesus is, that he is the Christ, he is the king, he has authority over all of creation. And so when we, when we see Jesus as who he is, when we remember that the gospel is more than just ourselves and how I am saved, but rather it's this declaration, it's this good news about the Son of God becoming king, right, that this term allegiance starts to make sense. Because what does it mean to be allegiant uh, to a king, right? It means you're, you're believing and affirming in the authority of that king over your life. It means you are loyal to that king, that you proclaim your loyalty to uh, people from outside your kingdom and people within your kingdom. And it means that you are following the laws of the kingdom to the best of your ability, right? If you're actively uh, disobeying the laws the king has set forth, you're not allegiant to him. You're trying to, to bring down the kingdom, right? And so being allegiant means that impacts the way you live your life, that it impacts 
uh, what you do, that you try your best to follow the law because that is what your king has set before you to try to follow. And I think that maybe this is the way to think about faith and works. Because whenever we talk about faith, the very next question is, well, if I'm saved by faith alone, then why do I have to do anything? All right, why can't I just sit back, watch Netflix, put my feet up, and just relax? What difference does it make? I'm saved by faith alone. And I want to affirm that, yes, you are saved by faith alone, that, yes, there is nothing you can do to earn your salvation, that it is a gift uh, from grace. Dave talked so well last week about the gift of grace and how it's something we don't deserve. It's something we don't earn. It is a free gift for us to receive. And it is when we have faith in that, faith in Jesus, that we are saved. And so you can't earn it. And yet, I think the way that we live our life matters. Uh, in James, we're told that faith without good works is dead. When you look at the Gospels, when you look at Jesus over and over again, he is telling people how to live their life. Even the rich young ruler comes up to him and goes, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus tells him not just have faith in me, but rather he tells him, go sell everything you have uh, and give it to the poor. And obviously I don't have the time to dive into that passage, but we see examples of Jesus uh, giving people commandments, of giving them guidelines of how to live their life. Right? And it's not because uh, they're trying to earn their salvation, but rather our actions matter here and now because creation matters here and now. And creation matters here and now because God is coming back. And this goes to what we were talking about at the very beginning. You see, salvation is not eternal fire insurance. Salvation is not just an escape rope to pluck us out of earth and go float around in heaven. Salvation is so much more than that. It's, it's that God is coming back, that God values creation. He affirms creation. He sees the good in it, and he's going to restore it to what it was meant to be. And so when we realize, when we believe, when we accept the value of creation, when we affirm and celebrate that the Lord is coming back again, then we have a role to play even now because creation matters here and now. It's uh, as N.T. Wright uh, said that God is rescuing us from the shipwreck of the world, not so that we can sit back and put our feet up in his company, but so that we can be a part of his plan to remake the world. Um, that faith should change your actions. Faith should allow you to see uh, the great grand rescue plan that God is enacting and and it should motivate you, encourage you to be a part of that, to want to be a part of that big rescue plan. And so from faith, there should come obedience. But here's the thing. Obedience does not have to be perfect. Obedience will never be perfect. All right? Obedience does not have to be perfect. But it does have to be genuine. It has to be genuine. It has to make an effort. And it's, and it's not... This doesn't mean trying harder, right? Hear me, this does not mean you're just going to try really hard. Uh, as C.S. Lewis once said in Mere Christianity, no person realizes how bad they really are until they try really hard to be good, right? It's only when we keep trying and trying and trying and failing and failing and failing, we realize just how bad we are, right? And then he goes on to say... Um, all right, what's on it? I'll get to that in just a second. Because the other thing I want to tell you, right, that you don't have to be like my eye doctor, right? Waking up every day not knowing 
of your salvation, not knowing the state of your eternal soul, not knowing and, and trying harder and harder and harder and feeling this overwhelming sense of guilt that you're telling some random patient you've never met of, of I think, probably with some deep insecurities and doubts and fear that he had, right? That's not what faith is. Rather, uh, I think it works like this. C.S. Lewis went on to say this, handing everything over to Christ does not, of course, mean that you stop trying. To trust him means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. Thus, if you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him, but trying in a new way, in a less worried way, not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already. Think of it this way. Uh, when I was in college, I uh, was pretty proud of the fact that I would always try to do the least amount of work I could in order to get like a B, right? That was my goal, yes. Um, and, uh, and I found that really, uh, like for a paper, if, as long as I finish the paper, I'll be fine. Like I don't need to put a lot of time and research into it. As long as I get words on a page and, and hit the page requirement, like I'll get my B, I'll get my degree, and it's all good. And I look back on that now, uh, and I regret it, because uh, I realize how much I missed out. Right? I look back at the, the amazing professors I could have learned from, how incredibly intelligent they were, how much wisdom they had to impart, and I, I, I missed out on it. Um, and now let's take this a step further. Let's imagine for a second that I actually had a full ride to college, a full scholarship, and that my very generous benefactor paid up front, right? And, and so there was no way the college was kicking me out. And so I, I moved in, I, I met my roommate, I you know, signed up for all the classes, and then I just never went to class. Never went, not a single time. And I would have my roommate would probably come up to me and say, Mike, what are you doing? It's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, Everything's paid for, right? I, I don't have, I don't, like, I'm in college. You're not going to kick me out. And so I'm here. I'll stay here for four years. I'll get my degree and I'll be good. Right? Is that the point of college? No, uh, that's not the point. That's not the point. And that's not the point of faith. The point of faith is not, uh, is not only to be forgiven. Yes, it's that, 100%. But the point of faith is to see the grander picture in front of you, to take part in the amazing work God is doing here and now. God is doing great things in ACC. God is doing great things in this community, in this state, country, world. And when we have faith in him, we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of his great rescue plan. Uh, it's kind of one last verse for us, um, and we'll wrap up here, because I think this is a good way to think about it. Uh, Philippians 2, uh, 12 to 13. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. All right, let me break that down. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, right? Work hard uh, so that people can see the results, to see the impact of your faith, your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear for God is working within you. And here's the key, right? Because you can't do this on your own. I can't do this on my own, right? It's, we can't obey God on our own. That's where the Holy Spirit comes. That's where God comes working within us. And that's the key. That's what removes the guilt. That's what 
that should remove that temptation of, of just trying harder and harder because that's not the point. It's coming to the point and saying to God, you must do this. I can't, but I want to. And so help me, come alongside me, help me, help cast the vision, help me see the need in the world and act on it. I want to live my life for you. That is what faith is. And so for those of you who are believers, whether new believers or longtime believers, I ask you two questions. One, what role are you playing in God's great rescue plan? How are you using your time, talent, and treasure here and now on this earth? What difference in your life has your faith made? What are you doing differently? Are you playing a role? Are you throwing out life vests to the people who aren't on the, the rescue boat yet? But my second question is, are you feeling guilty? Because stop it. Are you trying harder and harder? Stop it. Right? That's not the point. Yes, you've screwed up. Yes, you'll continue to screw up. But you are saved by faith, by grace through faith, that you are loved and that nothing can change that. Right? It's these two things, these two paradoxical things we need to try to hold together, that my goal is to affirm 100% that you are saved by faith, but push us as close as I can to seeing that our actions still matter because God has called us to bring about the kingdom of God even now. Uh, and then I also want to speak to those of you who don't have this faith yet. Those of you who are here for whatever reason, I don't know. Thank you for coming. Thank you for sitting through this. I hope it wasn't too boring. Uh, but if you're here, right, if you've thought about this gospel message, if you've thought about Jesus, if you think there is a chance this might be true, my question for you is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Are you waiting to try to get a little bit better? Because one, that doesn't matter. And two, it's not going to happen. Uh, are you waiting for the timing to get a little, uh, little better? Are you waiting for the timing to work out that you just want a couple things to change and be in a better position? Because that probably also isn't going to happen. Yeah, having faith in Jesus is going to cause some tension in your life in one area or another. But oh, is it worth it? Oh, is it worth it? Right? Because Christianity is a religion that involves a relationship with the one true God. It is a religion full of love and grace and forgiveness. It is, real, it is, it is grace. It is faith that's there for the taking. You just have to accept it. And so I encourage you, if you haven't done so yet, join the greatest story in all of history. Be a part of God's rescue plan for this world. Right? Believe it, proclaim it, and show allegiance to the one true king. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this gift of grace. We thank you that we don't have to earn our salvation. And Lord, I just pray uh, that anything I said that wasn't accurate, that you would just wipe that away from our memories and that you would affirm what is good and true uh, and worthy of you. Uh, may you help us to all to work out our salvation, um, but all the while knowing that it is you who work uh, through us and with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about Arlington Countryside Church, please visit us on the web at acchurch.org.